ain't coming back. I'm talking live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. The little chick she could do in one of those big envelopes and not a box. Because those. This is the press box. Those big envelopes, you know, you can fit a lot in those big envelopes, like the puffy ones, and then they can expand. You throw a few chicks in there, they'd be okay, probably. With Grady and Bischoff. Stop trying to save money shipping your chickens in. <laughs> on ESPN Las Vegas. What's going on? This is a good day. I thought we were going to talk about, like, Alex Leatherwood and the Raiders this morning, but we have a much better topic to start the show with. I'm I'm very excited. There's no other better topic right now in the last year than this. <laughs> and it, it doesn't st- it doesn't end. It's the it's greatest fantasy thing. football it, story ever. I thought it was over. I thought it's it was not. over with two guys, and now they brought in the best player in baseball to like talk it, about it. It's not over because I Tommy Pham probably sat back and said, I can't let Jock Peterson have the last word. No. I can't let a guy who looks like that <laughs> with a sideways cap on and overalls to have the last word in this entire mess. The first bite. The first bite is brought to you by the Finley Kia text line. Text 69187 with ESPN to give us your thoughts. Is Mike Trout the worst commissioner in fantasy football? All right. Quick refresher. Tommy Pham slapped Jock Peterson on Friday before a Reds-Giants uh, game. We ended up finding out over the course of the next couple of days that those two were in a fantasy football league together. Tommy Pham accused Jock Peterson of misusing their IR spot, which is where you put injured players in your fantasy football league and you don't have to drop them so that they are a free agent for anybody else to pick up. Uh Tommy Pham also accused Jock Peterson of saying disrespectful bleep about the Padres, who Tommy Pham played for last season. Jock Peterson then explained the IR situation and showed a gift that he sent making fun of the Padres. Now we got more details from Tommy Pham last night. According to Tommy Pham, he also blames Mike Trout because Mike Trout was the commissioner of this fantasy football league. Fam said Trout did a terrible job. Trout's the worst commissioner in fantasy sports because he allowed a lot of bleep to go on and he could have solved it all. Nobody wanted to be commissioner. I didn't want to be the bleeping commissioner. I've got other bleep to do. He didn't want to do it. We put it on him. It was kind of our fault too because we made him commissioner. Mike Trout apparently declined to comment to The Athletic last night after they got these quotes from Tommy Pham. And I hope that Mike Trout gets asked about this every single day until he does talk about it. I hope he does, too, because we can't have enough of this story. I want him to go back at Tommy Pham as the commissioner of that league and rip Tommy Pham for what he said about him. (laughs) Some more details. Sorry, I was just going to say, it is the worst position Ever to be like, okay, so no one wants to be the commissioner. I have to be the freaking commissioner. I don't want. Some more details. The league apparently had a $10,000 buy-in. The Athletic confirmed three other players in this league. Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer, and Mike Moustakis. Um, But here's maybe, if we're getting into the details of what Tommy Pham was mad about. Here's part of what he's claiming is why he was mad at Jock Peterson. He said they had their own IR rules. He said, we had 
rules to the IR. I know the ESPN app rules. We had our own individual rules. What? I I don't quite know what rules if, they could have had that were. Yeah, if you have not someone injured, you put them on the IR. Right. I mean, and, does all people have to agree the guy's injured? Is that what he's talking about? Well, I mean, everyone go down the list. Is he does he really have that ACL injury? I'm not so sure. I don't want I don't want Jock to start stashing players. The the only thing, and I don't know if Tommy Pham is reasonable enough to get this benefit of the doubt, but the only thing I could think is that they all agreed for no IR spot and Mike Trout just forgot to take it out of the settings of the league because you can do oh. a no IR league. But I, did Mike Trout even know there were settings? Right. But like I can't I don't know, because the the other key part of this is that Jock Peterson claimed that Tommy Pham also had a player on IR when he got mad at Jock Peterson for having a player on IR. So I I do not understand what Tommy Pham means when he says they had their own IR rules because you either have the IR rules or you don't, and you can turn them off in the settings of the league. And okay. maybe Mike Trout didn't, but Jock Peterson said Tommy Pham also had a guy on IR, which would mean Tommy Pham needs to slap himself. There's no chance Trout knew there were settings. He didn't even want to be the commissioner. <laughs> So he probably said, oh, sure, I'm the commissioner, and then just let everyone play how they wanted to. Uh, I I would even go as far as to say Tommy Pham didn't even know he had a player on IR. Tommy probably Pham not. has come off as <laughs> sort of a screwball here, and I don't know if, not that we didn't know that before, if you know anything about Tommy Pham, but I don't even know he had a, if he would have had a person. He probably, he probably hit the wrong button, put someone on IR, and didn't even know he did it. So... One other detail, uh, the buy-in of the league was $10,000. And according to the story in The Athletic, whoever finished in last had to pay an additional $10,000, I assume would go to the winner here. Um, but here, here's the key part here. Tommy Pham said that he was in second place when he quit the league. So if we believe Tommy Pham... And I'm hoping today Jock Peterson confirms or denies that Tommy Pham was in second place. But if we believe Tommy Pham, slapping Jock Peterson is not the dumbest thing he did. The dumbest thing Tommy Pham did was quit a $10,000 fantasy football league when he was in second place. He could have won a $10,000 fantasy football league and he quit over an IR spot? Right. Again, uh, Tommy Pham, uh, not all with it. He's not what, all there. And what are you I doing? Assume if he quit, what did he say, five weeks in? Yeah, four or five weeks okay. in. Ah, well, then he couldn't have ridden that all the way. Come on. I was in second place, and I lost my leash. Yeah, I'd love to know if he didn't update his roster, his lineup each week, if he still didn't finish last. If, he just, if, the, if the computer just rode with it and thought, okay, this is his lineup each week. If he was, let's say, like four and one and in second place, there's like a 99.9% chance he was not going to finish in last right, place. Right, right. Like four four wins is usually what the last place team will have. All he had to do was like win one game the rest of the season. Like if he, if again, if we believe him, and we now know Mike Mustakis, Eric Hosmer, and Manny Machado were in the league, so start asking them questions too. Like if we believe that he was in second place and he quit – He's a that, that's the dumbest move you could make. Like he could have won a bunch of money and he quit because Jock Peterson put a guy on injured reserve and he didn't agree with it. Like 
that's that's worse than walking up and slapping Jock Peterson. This guy could have won like I don't know what the payout to the winner would have been, like fifty thousand, sixty thousand oh, yeah. dollars if he had just stuck around. Okay, so if a guy quits your league, whether it be the way that he did or didn't pay his dues, do you divide up his team or do you just release them all as free agents if you're the well, commissioner? I the easiest no way thing Trout to would do. know how to do that either. Yeah, well, no, no, yeah. Trout, Trout just Trout staring. Has no going. idea what's going on in any of this. The easiest thing to do is to find somebody to take Tommy Pham's place. And by the way, hey, Tommy already paid the ten thousand dollar entry fee. And you, you might be in second place. Second place team. That's the best spot to be yeah. in. Like hell yeah, I don't care what Jock Peterson does with his IR spot. He can put his whole team there. I'm in. So that's the easiest thing to do. And I have to imagine. Like if you phrased it that way, lots of people would be lining up. But I, I if I had to guess, either they found somebody to take his team, or they just let Tommy Pham's team. They just let the lineup go for each. Yeah, week. just let it yeah. play out. Yeah. And by weeks, guys you injured, be whatever happened. If you lost to guy who quit, if he won the league and you had to write him a check for fifty grand. <laughs> Nah, he quit. Second, it's it's like when a team in some conference basketball tournament's not eligible for the NCAA tournament, and if they win their conference tournament, they send the second place yeah, team. Yeah, that's what happened in this league. If Tommy Pham's team won, whoever lost to him in the finals, the champion. So, terrific <laughs> There's a story. Chance Trout didn't even remember he was the commissioner. <laughs> He probably said, I, I don't want to talk about this. I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't the commissioner of that league. Look, I'm an Eagles fan. I got enough problems as it is. So some some key details we need to know now. Who did finish in last place? Who had to pay the extra $10,000? Was it Manny Machado? Was it Mike Moustakis? Was it somebody we haven't heard yet? We've got about half the league now. we got five guys, so or six guys, actually. So who finished in last place? I think we need to know that. We need to know what they did with Tommy Pham's team. Uh, and we also just need to hear from Mike Trout to basically be like, hey, I didn't want to do this. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And then Tommy Pham slapped the guy. Or, you know, it'd be great if Mike Trout came out and said, yeah, I was the commissioner. Jock Peterson was playing by the rules and Tommy Pham lost it. Okay. And we, he left the league. So we have to, whoever fully, like, somehow gets screenshots of this league whoever like finds out the full list of like every Players player involved and, and writes the big story we're getting that person a pulitzer right oh investigative yeah. report that's the best investigative Especially reporting the entire of the, the year the, the entire league and who who was in it and then each of those like right now today the Padres have lost two straight there at st louis the beat writer goes hey manny uh, you had an injection in your elbow the other day you might not be playing but listen about this fantasy league you're in with tommy fam How'd that go for I you? Think, I think Mike Moustakis might be the weak link. That's the guy I'd lean on. Like, literally just like... He's a Tommy Pham uh, teammate right now, right? I have no idea where Mike Moustakis plays. Yes, he is. He's, 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 yeah, he's, he's, with, a, he's with the Reds. Yeah. But, I, I, think, I, I think Tommy Pham is the weak link. You just keep... Because he is very... He is still very hurt by this entire situation. You just keep he never going back to him. Yeah. You just keep going back to him and asking him questions. Like... Hey man, were you really in second place? You like you quit? Like who did finish in last place? Like text me pictures. Back to him. Text yeah. me pictures of the league. Like no doubt about it. You keep going back to Tommy Fam here because I listen. Mike Trout, he doesn't even talk about his own. He's like no, the best he's not. He, in the Mike sport. Trout is not getting involved in this. Yeah, somehow, <laughs> somehow he turned it to thinking the troops. Yeah, he's I, he's not getting involved in this. I need I need like the Angels to win and Mike Trout to hit like three home runs today. That way he like he has to talk to the media. Like he's in a good and, mood. 
And not a single, I think they're in New York too. And not a single person asks him about the game. And it's just all, all right, Mike, tell us about this fantasy football league. (laughs) For just 10 minutes until he gives an answer. I still don't think he would talk. He just doesn't seem like the dude is going to get involved with this weirdness. I mean, who knows what he thinks of Tommy Pham. Here's, Oh, wait, there was one other thing in that story. Tommy. Now, again, this is if we believe Tommy Pham. He said that multiple members of the league have reached out to him to say he's in the right. Oh. <laughs> Can he so, give us some names? So, Well, Mike Moustakis, Manny Machado, and Eric Hosmer is what I'm guessing here. Um, but here, here's my part on that. If I'm in a fantasy football league and you leave, four or five weeks in i'm going to dislike you more than i dislike the guy who may or may not have been abusing the ir spot because abusing we can figure out the abuse of the ir spot and it's not really a big deal leaving the league is a disaster like that's a nightmare i would be more mad at the guy who quit the league so i don't believe that many people texted him to say hey man we got your back you're in the right here i just want to believe everything tommy fam is saying I want him to be the most honest guy in the world right now. That everything, including being a big dog in the casinos in Las Vegas, I want yeah. I want everything to him to be saying the truth. I, I it, because that would make it a much better story if all of this stuff that he said happened it happened instead of it's just like all right I'm completely lying. I didn't like that he put someone on IR, so I'm going to make all this stuff up. If he was in second place and quit this league, I genuinely I think he's an idiot. Like that is a dumb thing to do second place of a ten thousand dollar league and you just quit on the did he get his money back there's no way he got his ten thousand dollars back right i wouldn't give it back to him if i was right. the commissioner mike trout yeah i'd be like what are you talking about you're not getting your ten thousand dollars back which maybe that's the other question was this a league where you had to pay the ten thousand dollars up front or did they trust everyone enough that at the end of the year they would send i'm their saying money they the trusted winner? everyone enough i think so too so i'm, I'm guessing he didn't everyone. pay his ten i mean $10, you know tommy venmoing mike trout 10 grand <laughs> i mean that'd be a little weird manny machado they're all venmoing each other ten thousand dollars Mike Trout's Venmo account just has like twenty two hundred and twenty thousand yeah. dollars sitting in it, which waiting for the end of fantasy football. I'd love to know if Tommy Pham eventually paid his fra- his his way. Oh, I don't think there's any chance. Not if he quit the league. Yeah, or we also need to know who won. Like, I hope that's, Josh Peterson that's, won the league. Yeah, that's what if we Josh need to Peterson know. won the league, that's that's tremendous Not, part of this. What story. I want is Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani won the league. <laughs> Shohei Otani, <laughs> drafting players. Can you imagine Tommy Pham slapping somebody like like Shohei? Like he slapped Jock Peterson. Can you imagine if he slapped Shohei Otani? We would kill him. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, I'm that's so the sure. most exciting thing in baseball, sir. I'm not so sure he'd slap Mike Trout, the commissioner. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. Have they played the Angels yet? He's apparently mad at Mike Trout, too. He's got to slap him at this point. Oh. He blames Mike Trout just as much as he blames uh, Jock Peterson. You see Trout if he's walking towards him. <laughs> hey, uh, your forearm is the size of my chest. Yes. Uh, I'm going to slap you now. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the NBA Finals that start tomorrow. I talked to Marcus, and he mentioned the outside people thinking there was turmoil amongst you guys. How was that, in those early moments, able to bring you together to do this? And, and how close are you because of that? Yeah, I think all of those things have helped, you know from saying that we need to split the group up or get rid of, you know, somebody or me and JB can't 
play together, uh, that fueled us um, to, to figure it out and, you know, not run from it. That, you know, we are obviously are going to be here for a while and that we trust in each other and, and that we had to be better. So, yeah, I think instead of separating, we became closer. And I think it has shown, you know, throughout the season. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. The NBA Finals start tomorrow. Warriors and Celtics in Game 1. And something that I find interesting, there are, in all of our sports, a lot of, like, analytical models that sort of predict who's going to win games, who's going to win championships. I don't know if I have seen any sort of analytical model that is as far away from the betting line as I have with these NBA Finals and 538. So 538 right now says the Boston Celtics have an 80% chance to win the NBA Finals. But if you were to go to a sports book here and bet on the winner of this series, you'd be getting the Warriors as the favorite. It's like minus 150 or minus 160, something in that range to win the series. I five, We've talked about 538 loving the Celtics for like two or three months before the postseason even started. The Celtics are here in the NBA Finals, so so far they've been proven right. But I just don't know that I've ever seen this big of a difference between what an analytical model thinks and what the sports bets no. or sports books actually. Think. They're not coming back on their Celtics pick, are they? I mean, eighty percent. They're not coming back on them at all. Um, like you said, had them in the had them as the best team in the East since February. That's a long time. Uh, so I, I I can't tell you they're so far off the books. I mean, are the books right? I yeah, mean, usually so, they are. I know there there's there's two things about this series as to why 538 has the Celtics as the favorites. Number one, like so they use a, a player analytical model that basically takes the last couple of years to figure out how good each player is. And so Clay Thompson, for example, didn't play the previous right. two years. He didn't play, so Clay he didn't Thompson play for two years. Right, is not viewed as a, as good as Clay Thompson actually is. So Clay Thompson is underrated, and as a result, the Warriors are probably a little underrated. But that would not explain by itself the Celtics being an eighty percent favorite. That's the number the of the two numbers. That's the that's the right. one that seems out of whack. If you're saying you've had them in the the best in the East since February, and they're sixty five percent or sixty percent chance, okay, it's what you believe in them. But eighty percent chance. Comparative to the books, that that yeah. eighty seems the eighty would seem high, even if the Celtics were favored by minus one fifty. The eighty percent would still seem high. Yeah, I I think the other key here is five the the player model that five thirty eight uses absolutely loves the Boston Celtics because back in I think it started it was January maybe it started in February whatever they went on a run where every time they played a good team they're like starting five or their top six or seven players when they were on the floor, dominated every like good team they played. So they were crushing good teams. So their player model is sort of based on a net rating of when each player's on the floor. Basically looked at that and said, well, when the Celtics play their good players, nobody can beat them, and it's not even close. So they love the Celtics, but it's, it's still unbelievable that we're at 80% this point in the season. So... Let me ask you this. We've got a matchup of the team. The Celt or the uh, Warriors are number one in the postseason in offensive rating. The Celtics are number two in the postseason in defensive rating. The net or the uh, Milwaukee Bucks are actually number one still. 
what do you think is better? What do you believe in more, Golden State's offense or Boston's defense? Boston's defense, because I think that's pretty consistent, and we've seen Golden State, whether it's against Memphis or you know other teams, they can be amazing, and then they can be 2 of 20 from 3. So if I had to pick one going in to be the most consistent, I would pick Boston's defense. So th- to me, this is where it's fascinating because both teams have significant depth on either side of the ball. Boston, like you look defensively, Marcus Smart's defensive player of the year. Jason Tatum's a great defender. Rob Williams has been terrific. Hell, Al Horford's been a really good interior defender. Like they've got a lot of good defensive players. And then Golden State, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, all of those guys are averaging 15 points per game in the postseason. All of those guys have had big games where they've led the team in scoring. So it's a it's a matchup where you have a lot of depth defensively for Boston and depth offensively for Golden State. So what you're going to have is the, the NBA team with probably the best off-ball movement, probably the best overall ball movement in the league going against a defensive team that's versatile and can really do whatever they want defensively. They can they could go into the series and they could switch every single screen mm-hmm. if they mm-hmm. wanted to. They don't do that. They switch a lot, but they they will play different coverages based on who the personnel right. is that they're matched right. up against and they have the personnel to be able to do that. A lot of times like like the the Bucks only run drop coverage, right? Yep. They they're Robin Lopez if he's in a ball screen, he's always going to sink into he's the just lane gonna and sink in and, layup, and drop right? down. Yeah. A lot of times you'll have defensive personnel that you can only do one or two things, but the Celtics have enough that they can they can do pretty much whatever they want, and it's probably going to be a fairly sound strategy. So I'm I'm pretty fascinated by this. My only hope here, Ed, is that, like, can we get close games? That's all like, we care about. Yeah. <laughs> Jared said no. Uh, like, we're not going to get any close no, games. No, because what we're going to either get is their defense shuts down the three-point shooting or one of the random Golden State guys, wh- whichever you want, of the three or four guys who can shoot threes, Shoots forty seven percent, and oh, yep, they won by twenty. They won going away. No, 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 no. We're gonna get like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are gonna have like good but not spectacular games, and the Celtics defense is gonna be okay, but not good enough to completely shut them down. And Golden State's gonna hit thirty nine percent of their threes, not fifty or nineteen. That's what we're gonna get at least like three times. Give us that, please. No, Coming up next, not Jeff Erickson joins the show to talk about the greatest fantasy football story of all time. Play football to be fine. Like I'm, 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 I'm fine. Like I, I was blessed to play this game. To make the money I made, the accomplishments I made in eight years is like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's like I'm, I'm, I'm complete. I'm, I'm like, if I can win another one, that's great. But if not, I'm like, I'm at peace. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now is Jeff Erickson. Make sure you check out rotowire.com. All right, Jeff, it's uh, June 1st. Did you think you'd be talking about a great fantasy football story on June 1st? No, uh, especially uh, when the story initially broke last Friday, crying out loud. And it's just just a story that keeps on giving. It's amazing. (laughs) So, all right. The first question I have here from from a pure, like, just fantasy football, what do you do situation Tommy Pham says he dropped out of this league when he was in second place in a $10,000 league. What do you do if that happens? Do you just, his team forfeits every game? Do you find somebody to fill his spot? Like, how do you handle a guy quitting middle of the season? 
I mean, I think you find someone to fill the spot just so there's a, you know, if he had been running it before and it sounded like he was in second place when he dropped, um, it, you find someone to fill it just to play the league out so everyone has, you know, the same, you know, advantage slash disadvantage. You know, you can't have, like, a, a ghost team for the team. You know, the teams that played him in the first three weeks of the season, you know, got, got his full effort. You can't have a, a team play a ghost ship the rest of the year. Because uh, then you got injured guys, bye weeks, all that kind of good stuff. So you find a stand in at least. Um, as far as the money goes, I mean that's that's really awkward. Um, I mean, <laughs> pretty wild. Especially ten thousand dollars can be really awkward. Yeah, well, that dollars, right? Yeah, I think that's the kind of the kind of the point. Or a hundred dollars, maybe. Uh, maybe I'm off by decimal, but point is, it's it's you know that that's there'd be massive money for us and not so much for them. One of the stranger things, and he said a lot of stranger things, is uh, Tommy Pham said, we have rules to the IR, you know? I know the ESPN app has rules, but we had our own individual rules. What in the world could be his own individual rules of IR as a simple point of if someone gets hurt, you put them on IR? Well, I mean, there's the the league can, you know, the teams have, there, there's a difference between listing a player as out and versus being placed on IR where you're out for a minimum of three weeks, you know, uh, that's the way the NFL works. You know, the uh, IR means something. So I, I understand the technicality there. Maybe that's because I'm a recovering attorney, but, uh, you know, <laughs> rules are, I, I get that. Um, you know, the funny part was, though, that he apparently flouted the very same rule. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's the thing that cracked me up. Uh, what is the angriest you have made somebody or no let me ask you the way what's the angriest thing somebody has done in a fantasy league to you like has, has there ever been a point where you were like man that guy deserves a slap no uh but then again <laughs> I, I i'm a, a trader not a fighter i've never been in a fist fight in my life but um i i think uh you know obviously you know there's there's trades that always in a keeper league especially there's always going to be a, a trade that people find objectionable there's always going to be someone that kind of gets on edge. There's also the other the other part there, the person that won't leave you alone. Uh, you know, like, come on, you haven't responded to my trade offer. I, get, I sent it 37 seconds ago. That's plenty of time. You know, and then you have other people are like, that will wait 37 days to respond to a trade offer. I mean, there's, in, you know, in the off season or whatever the case may be is, you know, there, there's all sorts of ways you can offend somebody. And we find it all. The, you know, the more electronic our communication gets, the easier it is, I think, to offend. Well, if Trout was as bad a commissioner, I'm not sure he knew the trades were allowed in terms of uh, what Tommy Pham said, as bad a commissioner as Mike Trout allegedly was. How mad would you be if, and Jock Peterson the other night with his sideways cap on, how mad would you be if Jock Peterson or someone in your fantasy league showed gifts or text messages that were in a group text of this when you had nothing to do with this? Uh, I'd be uh, pretty, you know, it, 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 would, it would get annoying after a while for sure. Um you know, it's easy to mute a conversation too, um, if you really, really want to. But uh, yeah, I, I, let's just. Fam is a uh, is a solution waiting for a problem, though. Too. I mean, it's not it, it's not his first rodeo in terms of getting offended by things. You know, and at some point, you know, it. it you know, it, to me, the funny thing was, you know, and you know, the thing is, I understand where he's coming from too, because. When you believe you're righteous and no one no one believes you, it, it's got to be super aggravating. Um, he, he's been in a lot of conflicts over the years too. Um, so you know, it, it, the funny thing is seeing 
like fantasy Twitter react one way to the news when it came out, and all of us speculating on why and making tongue in cheek jokes. Seeing baseball writer Twitter blow up because like because of fantasy football, what are you, you know? <laughs> and then they realize how much money is at stake. And like, oh, okay, yeah. I get it now. Um, but you know, it's you know, cause as if that reaction would have been fine if it were some other slight. Um, because <laughs> this is a guy that's been in bar fights for crying out loud. I mean, it's not like this is the. You know, oh, oh, yeah, we're, I'm shocked, shocked that Tommy Pham is in, a, in an altercation of some sort. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's crazy in how much life this has had, how, many, how much legs this story has had. It just keeps going. Now we have, like, national reporters weighing in. It, it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, do you believe Mike Trout's the worst commissioner in fantasy sports? No, I've seen worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell uh, us. Yeah, what's 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 the worst you've seen a commissioner do? Oh, you know, I, I've I've heard all the stories. Sometimes it's it's been in my league. Sometimes I have customers telling me about stories. Commissioners like, co- like, uh, you know, colluding with other teams to fix trades so they can win the league. You know, having I've seen stories of a fake team being in the league and the, the commissioner trading with that team all the time so he can get this super team. Uh, I've seen, you know, commissioners take the money and run, uh, you know, and not, not pay out. Uh, oh, well, I, I, you know, I don't have the money. And, you, know, not, you know, people never get paid whole. I've seen national contests where that's kind of happened, where, you know, they, you know, they sp- spent money to try to bring in more people and they, they, they promised all these things. And, oh, you know, sorry, we're insolvent. We can't pay out, you know, and things like that. So I've seen, I've seen a lot. You know, I've been around in the fantasy industry for a long time. They're, they're, you can do a lot worse than this. You know, and it sounds like to me that Trout never wanted to be the commissioner. He was kind of <laughs> like, you know, you know, it, it, you know, it was like the old Roman times, Cincinnati getting called to, called to the Senate uh, to serve his term, to serve his country. Uh, he, he was like, he was slapped, uh, the, the role was slapped on him here a little bit. Uh, over Rotowire, have you guys started? I'm sure you've started your fantasy football rankings, and how how is how is that all going? Any run into anything? No, you know it's fun because you know we started rankings like after, right after the Super Bowl because people get into best ball leagues even before the Super Bowl, even before the NFL draft happens. And then of course once we had the NFL draft, all these keeper leagues had their drafts already. Uh, so yeah, we've been not only have we we have them up there, we're constantly updating our rankings. We've done some mock drafts. We just recently published a rookie-only mock draft. So for people that are in dynasty or keeper leagues where they have a separate rookie draft, you've got a, a guide out. At least twelve of us ranked it. Ranked it. We also have rankings within there uh, on just the rookies. There's also results of the OTAs. You know, players changing uh, teams. I mean, you guys are in Vegas. You know how crazy this offseason's been. Uh, you, you know, you got the Devonte Adams trade. You got were they going to extend Carr or not? You know, we had all that happen. Uh, Quarterbacks changing, diva wide receivers changing teams. It's been an amazing offseason. I have a question for you as a Cincinnati Reds fan. Uh, okay, which, <laughs> which part of this season has been worse for the Reds? Throwing the no-hitter and losing or this Tommy Pham story? Uh, how about day after the lockout where they're supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be eliminating tanking as an incentive that they – Actively tanked. I would say right then and there was the worst part there. Um, just knowing and knowing that it was coming, too. Knowing that this whole time that they weren't going to try to compete after trying, kind of, sort of trying for all of a year and a half, and then deciding, eh, maybe that's 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 not it. 
Um, so just knowing that there's no hope. I think that was the, us in Oakland are in the same boat. And I know, you know the Oakland A's story is a little bit of a different angle when you look, you know, coming from a Vegas side, side of things, but super cynical approach by the Oakland A's ownership group and uh, front office uh, there too, that, you know, they're blaming the fans, they're blaming the populace for them not trying to compete when they haven't tried to compete for years in terms of the budget. But, um, you know, it, it's, I think that part to me is the most cynical. They, these owners cry poor. They, uh, you know, they say, well, you know, these teams need to compete. They win the lockout basically. They got the players to concede, and then they still tore down the franchises. That's the part that was worse. The no hitter was the other part that was way worse than the fam story. You know, fam story. Who cares? It's just a loose cannon guy in a in a throwaway year. Seeing them you know, lose the no hitter was embarrassing. Plus, they extended Hunter Green to so many extra pitches they didn't need to do. Um, you know, there's this guy who's coming off a of Tommy John surgery in April, uh, you know, not giving him any run support whatsoever. That was brutal. So th- it's not even, there's nothing that can really happen during the year. They started at rock bottom when they trade away Jesse Winkler that you're just like, nothing else from this point forward can be worse. Yeah, and the Sonny Gray trade, I mean, that that, that one was bad too because he had, he had a reasonable contract and a reasonable option for next year, very team-friendly, and that still was too much money. And then they say, "Well, we got to align our our roster to our resources." Come on, you're you're you have a mid market payroll at most. Um, it was so cynical. It's like, okay, you signed a couple of bad contracts. The Mustaka deal didn't work out. Shogo Akiyama deal didn't work out. Huh? Forget it. We're we've, we're done trying. We're gonna and and they 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 made this the GM Nick Crawl come out and make all these justifications. Then it was so transparent that he was just a mouthpiece for the ownership group and he wasn't really you know he, he was kind of the hostage having to be the uh, to be the message uh provide the message but he did such a bad job of messaging too it's like you know he said we want to eliminate the peaks and valleys and i wanted to ask what peak i don't want to play off game in 20 years what peak are you talking about here you know you know haven't won a playoff series excuse me i'm still we did win two games against the giants and then Matt Leto served up that grand slam to Buster Posey, and they never came back since then. So, but anyhow, um, not bitter, not holding on anything, guys, <laughs> not at all. I don't know what you're talking about, but um, peaks and valleys. Come on, it's, just, it's such a terrible, <laughs> terrible line. Well, he is Jeff Erickson from RotoWire. Jeff, we appreciate it this Thanks, morning. Thanks, Jeff. Anytime. Take Talk care, guys. You soon. So there is Jeff Erickson again. Check out RotoWire. Uh, Jeff kind of sounds like he wants to walk up into left field and slap the Reds yeah. owner in the face. Yes, exactly. And that, <laughs> and that that would make news as all as well. We know he's probably commissioner of his football league and does a better job than Mike Trout. I don't know. Mike Trout got Tommy Pham out of the league. That actually might have been the best thing for that league. Looking back on it, we got a Cincinnatus reference. Is no one gonna re- like? Like we got a we got an ancient Greek reference in the middle of him. It's like going on a rampage. It's great. All right. Coming up next, today's the day for Donald Williams to decide if he's going pro or coming back to UNLV. Jackson loses the ball. Vic Iwako dives for it, and they call a foul on Vic. And that is Come on, unbelievable. Man. Both players diving for the basketball. That is a horrible, horrible call. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Today is the last day for college basketball players to withdraw their name from the NBA draft. If you keep your name in the NBA draft after today, you are ineligible to play college basketball. Donovan Williams 
has yet to withdraw his name. According to Jake Weingarten, he is working out with the Golden State Warriors today and then will make his decision. So he is taking this down until the very last day, pretty much the very last moment, to decide. Uh, Ed, do you believe Donovan Williams is coming back? This, I think, is the eighth NBA team he has worked out for now, uh, and he is waiting until the very last day. Does that mean anything to you as far as his decision? I think he's coming back. I think he's wanted to hear something from them, whether it's, hey, your second-round pick, hey, we're thinking about you, and he has not heard that. He's worked out for a lot of teams, and I just think he's coming back. I think he wants to leave. You and I talked about it yesterday. I do think he wants to leave. I think, and, and nothing against UNLV. I don't think it has anything to do with UNLV. I think he wants to be a pro. I think the kid, you know, thinks he's ready to be a pro somewhere. But I just have a feeling that he'll work out for the Warriors. They'll probably tell him what he's been told all along, and then he'll come back. I think UNLV thinks he's coming back. And um, I, again, it's nothing personal against UNLV. I just think he wants to turn pro. But yeah, he hasn't heard what he wants to hear. To read too much into it, I think that's the key. He hasn't heard what he wants to hear. He wants to be a professional basketball player. Yes, fine. But he hasn't gotten the assurances from the handful or maybe two handfuls of NBA teams that he's worked out for that, yeah, we would draft you in the second round or that, yeah, you've definitely got a future or something like that. And because of that, he's probably maybe a little reluctantly going to say, all right, I'm going to go back to school and hope that next season, next offseason, uh, I'll be in a better position to get drafted. Uh, that's what it looks like to me when you are working out until the last day, because I believe the majority of players have already made their decision yeah. as to whether or not they're staying. Another one in the Mountain in West the I haven't draft. seen yet is David Roddy. Has he? Okay, I haven't seen. He that is either. not. He point. has not said one way or the other. Um, so, and that's big for CSU. Although, yeah. see, David Roddy was invited to the combine. I don't know how well he. I saw conflicting reports and how well he did. You know, Donovan Williams was not invited to the Combine. Neither was Bryce Hamilton, by the way. We haven't heard anything about Bryce. Uh, I'm sure he's worked out for some teams. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm I, with you on this. I think the kid wants to go, and he has every right to want to be a pro. Good for him. I mean, that's his life. He, he, wants, he can do with what he wants to do with his life. But if he hasn't gotten the feedback, I think he comes back, and I think that's a good thing for UNLV. I think if he comes back to UNLV, he is the most important player for next season like how good they are is going to be a lot of it's going to be dependent upon donovan williams because if he comes back he probably projects as the leading score maybe you could throw elijah harkless in there instead of donovan williams but last year donovan williams 12.7 points per game he took nine shots per game the the key to him being important is can he become a 17 18 point per game guy without having to take 19 or 20 Yeah, shots. without having to double his shot attempts. Right. Can he stay in the same? Because he was very, he was efficient last year, right? He was, but he was the number two option. He wasn't the number one option. Can he stay close to his efficiency mark from last season while taking more shots? That is a very hard thing to do. That's one of the hardest things to do in college basketball is suddenly up the amount of shots you're taking, up the production you're supposed to be giving, and stay at that same efficiency. He, if, if, the, if he is, if he's able to, right, he'll be the number one guy on the scouting report. Mm -hmm. He'll be the number one option. It'll be a lot harder for him to do so. So if he can do that, then UNLV might have a number one option 
and should be really good defensively. Like if he is that guy, if he can be 17, 18 points per game on 15 shots a game or something like that, I think it's fair to look around and say UNLV, that that's their shot at the NCAA tournament because then you have that number one option. You're probably going to get enough out of the rest of the roster offensively that, that you can score. Plus, if right, you're as right. good as we expect defensively, you're not going to have to be great offensively. You've just got to be above average in the Mountain West. And that can be a team that goes to the NCAA tournament. That can be a team that contends for the Mountain West title. So I, I think there's a a big chance if, if he comes back, he's the most important player to their success next season. Because yeah. otherwise, if it's not Donovan Williams, well, it's hard to really project ooh. any of the other guys on the roster as a number one scorer. Yeah, even Harkless. I mean, we don't know yet. Yeah. So, you know... If, boy, if he doesn't come back, we've made fun of this, but you know, what are we are we thinking a lot of sixty two fifty nines? I mean, we we've had we fun are. with it, but but I mean, seriously, I mean, who who's going to score for them to make it to where we believe they could be good offensively? We think they're yeah. going to be good defensively because everyone they've signed, all we've heard about is they're all defensive from their previous stops and they're really good defensive players. We've kind of made the you know the point of. Is it a poor man San Diego State where you're completely good defensively and you really struggle offensively? That could be the case, but if Donovan Williams comes back, he could certainly alleviate that a little and get them, you know, like you said, a top scorer on their team. And even if back, they still are probably playing those types of games sure. because I I don't think Donovan Williams, if he comes back, is a 17, 18 point per game guy on 14 or 15 shots. I think his efficiency is going to take a dip. So I think they'll still be that team. And, and one of the big reasons why Donovan Williams shot 44% from three last year. Like that, that's a crazy good number. I would be surprised if he finishes over 40% again this season. Well, like he you does, said, he's going to be number one on the scout, right? If he does, that's tremendous yeah. for UNLV, but I'd guess, no, I guess there's some regression. I think it's a matter of, does he regress to like 38% because that's still very good. Or does he regress down to like 33, 34%, which makes you a league average three-point shooter? That is going to be, I think, one of the keys to watch is, is assuming he's, if he's back and assuming he's sort of taking as many shots or more shots than he was last year, his three-point percentage will be key to watch because last year, 44% is unbelievable. If he shoots 44% again this season from three, he's probably getting drafted into the NBA mm -hmm. next year. Because that's a crazy good number. Oh, if he goes back to the, back with those kind of numbers? Yeah, and he's yeah. got the... Uh, the the body frame that you would want, yeah. tall and the potentially he, a three he had guy. more upside than Bryce did as a pro. Right. I mean, he has because, more upside right yeah. now than Bryce does as a pro, and he's probably coming back to school. Right. And and if you tell me, hey, that guy just shot forty four percent back to back seasons at college, you're looking around saying, right. all right, we yeah. can take a shot. We can make that work, right? We we can turn you into something useful at the NBA level. So. That, I think, might be, if, if you're trying to find one stat for Donovan Williams that could be key for UNLV as a whole, it's his three-point percentage. If he's at 39 40% or better, could, things could be really good. If he's at 33 or so, then uh, we're looking around trying to figure out who exactly is scoring for this team because that could be a problem going forward. But well, we'll find out later today. Tune in tomorrow to find out if Donovan Williams is coming back or not.